Let's go through every single package installed on a Linux install DVD, specifically Slackware 14.2. Um, of course, these are all open source packages that I'm talking about on this show, so they probably can still apply to you even if you're not running Slackware and even if you're not running Linux. These are open source packages, so you can download the source code and run them on any computer, whether you're running Linux, Mac, Windows, BSD, doesn't matter. You can learn probably something from this episode. So let's get started. But first, let's take some listener feedback. I got two really, really informative listener feedbacks this time around about COBOL. One was from Jim, Jim of um, Pedal Powered Computing, pedalpc.com. He says, I've been enjoying your D series on Slackware. Uh, on, on, on Slackware Linux. I've learned a lot about programming compilers and languages I have never used before. In episode 418, you were having trouble compiling your COBOL program unless you indented each line seven spaces. I have no experience with COBOL, but I remembered using some basic compilers that required line numbers. So I ducked COBOL line numbers. Sure enough, it appears columns one through six are reserved for line numbers in COBOL. Duct, by the way, um, is the verb of DuckDuckGo. Duct, COBOL line numbers. Uh, and sure enough, one through six reserved for line numbers in COBOL. That was super useful, Jim. Thank you. I absolutely would have never, ever thought to even search for that. I just, it just seemed like a weird bug or, or quirk of syntax to me. It did not even occur to me that that would have been something to even investigate for some reason. It's weird. Um, and then um, DOD, D, D, dummy, D, DOD, D, no, DOD, dummy, or is it 3D? I don't know. He told me the story of this name um, before. Anyway, it's Jason uh, Dodd. You might know him from Mastodon. He says, I had a smile on my face the whole time listening to the GNU World Order episode on GNU COBOL. The reason for the errors when the code didn't start in column 7 is that COBOL was originally done on punch cards with column 1 through 6 used for line numbers. Column 7 is used for the continuation and comment character, column 8 through 11 for the start of a paragraph, and other things, and columns 12 through 72 for the normal program statements. One of the reasons I prefer the hybrid editor XE. It's so cool. I Again, that's the kind of experiential knowledge that I just can't even imagine thinking to investigate to find out. It's definitely one of those cases of just not knowing the to, to ask the question, much less knowing what question to ask. I mean, I, I realize I could have searched the internet or ducked. I could have looked for, you know, COBOL, I don't know, columns one through six, if I'd thought of that. that. That could have been something. It just didn't occur to me. I just thought, well, programming languages, you know, thinking of Python, programming languages have have quirks. They have requirements that sometimes are kind of arbitrary. So I guess that's the quirk that they did for COBOL. Didn't think that there would be a, a deeper reason to it. So thank you, thank you, thank you, Jim and Jason, for emailing me this information or contacting me with that information. I think it's a really, really great addition to the show. And I think you, dear listener, if you're not Jim or Jason, probably appreciate that as well. Okay, let's talk about LLVM. LLVM is a suite of tools. Uh, let's find out how many tools are really in LLVM by doing a less on var log packages LLVM-3.8, I guess is what comes with 14.2. Maybe not. Maybe I've updated it. Who knows? I've got both the 32-bit and the 64-bit compatible uh, editions 
because I'm running multi-lib, but shouldn't matter either way. So, the first one in this package list here looks like it is bug point. And bug point is a is a is a command to help you pinpoint bugs in the compiler itself. I don't know how to demonstrate or experience that because I have never to my knowledge compiled something and then thought or, or and then realized that the code was perfectly fine, but that the compiler itself was incorrect. And as I understand it, documentation is a little bit lacking in bug point. There are no man pages for any of this, by the way. No info pages, no man pages. It's just LLVM command uh, dash help or dash dash help, whatever it is. So th there's the documentation is either on the website, on random internet sites, or it doesn't exist. And bug point, there's a little bit. There's a little bit out there. And so, as far as I can understand it, it is the it's it's a application to take the compiler or the the results of a compiler. I think you have to transfer it into I think they said LLVM assembly, and then it can analyze the it can process that and analyze the output and figure out I guess what the compiler did wrong. So I'm I'm talking about things like one plus one equaling three instead of two. Like, that's not your code. It would be something deeper, something about how the language was translated into machine language so that your CPU could process it. That would be a bug with the compiler, and it's, yeah, I don't know, like I said, I don't know how to simulate that or emulate that or reproduce that because I, I've just never had that experience. I, I'm sure that it happens, but but it's beyond me. So that's bug point, and the process generally is that you... You produce an LLVM assembly f language uh, binary, and then you uh, produce a .ll and a .bc file from that using, I think it is an LLVM tool that you do it with. No, it's clang, but you pass like a dash dash emit dash LLVM or something like that. And then you, you run bug, bug point against those. And I don't know what the output of that looks like or, or what you what you see, what you get. Don't know. The next tool, also don't know much about this. There wasn't a whole lot of documentation. I know that this is um, this is starting to sound repetitive, but uh, c-index-test. Apparently, this is useful for programs that you want to provide. Well, the 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 real world implementation that I've that I've seen online in investigating it is for auto completion in an IDE. That seems to be a big part of what people might use c-index-test for. And so the idea here is I'm imagining something like, let's say, NM or something like that, where you look at the the very sort of the layout of all the functions and and the, the memory addresses of all those things and, and so on, or not probably not the memory addresses, but, but where those functions are, where, where they are indexed within the code, within the binary itself. And then you can pass that on to, for instance, your IDE, so that when you're uh, writing code against something that you want to reference, it knows how to autocomplete function names and sensible arguments that would go along with those functions and, and all the things that IDEs do. That's, from what I can tell, C index test. I could not find reasonable instructions on how to actually utilize C index test, so I couldn't, I, I, I was not able to um, get it to really do anything useful. Um, if you type in C index help, 
uh, C index dash test uh, dash dash help, you do get a, a list of all the, the potential options and uh, symbol filter values. So like I say, I'm imagining it's something like in M and you're looking at the symbols of the, the code and, and maybe, well, probably indexing those for, for some other application to process. That's all I know though. Okay, so next up is clang-3.8, which I'm gonna just do a which on right now. That's user bin clang-3.8. And I think I'm going to look and see some of the other clang commands. Like clang, yeah, so clang itself is a symlink to that. That's what I figured. clang++ is also a, a, a symlink. No, actually, clang++ is a, is a symlink to clang, which is a symlink to clang-3.8. That must be a quirk of the way that uh, the Slack build maybe links things. Or, I don't know, maybe that's part of the part of their install script. Seems weird to link to a link to a to a binary. Anyway, uh, clang.3.8 uh, is the compiler. So when you think of GCC, the command that you run is GCC. Well, in LLVM, the command you're going to run to compile something is clang or clang. And the command, com the command itself, clang or clang, I, I really like saying clang, so I think I'm just going to say clang. Um, so clang has, well, again, if I do a man clang, I get nothing. So if I do a dash dash help, then I get a big long list of all the options. The options are very similar in in let, let's call it a layout to what you would be what you might be used to in GCC. And in fact, you can even pass GCC options straight on through. I think is that correct? Let me grab GCC through in this output. Now maybe that's not true, uh, but you can use the GCC toolchain at the given directory. Okay, that's interesting. So yeah, there's there's some interoperability here between LLVM and GCC. In in recognition, I think to to the fact that LLVM is 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 newer than GCC. Essentially, that that most open source compiling pipelines are based around GCC. So they do have a couple of nods to that, so that if you're migrating from GCC to Clang, uh, you you still have a little bit of, of flexibility there. But the the general options are, I would say, sort of you know vaguely recognizable to GCC. I mean the the big ones are 100% the same. Dash G it m makes it a debug, right? You know this from previous episodes with GCC. Dash O again output the same same thing dash capital I point to an includes directory and so on I think even dash C works uh, for compiling out to an object file instead of you know don't 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 do the linking essentially yeah dash C only run preprocess compile and assemble steps don't don't do the linking dash E only run dash capital E rather only run the preprocessor and then the structure of other options are similar as well. So there's dash lowercase f and then some string after that for um, whatever that stands for. Is it formatting or something? I, I don't know. I keep meaning to find that out. Maybe I already know that and I've forgotten. And dash capital W and, and all the a bunch of things that are going to feel really similar to GCC if you're familiar and, and used to the way GCC works. So I guess let's do, I think Probably the best. Oh, actually, I just saw something really 
vaguely interesting as I cleared my screen was this. Oh, okay. Dash capital X preprocessor argument. Dash capital X linker argument. So you can, with dash capital X, you can pass things straight to your analyzer, assembler, to clang, to linker, and to the preprocessor. That's cool. So anyway, what I was saying really was that I think the best demonstration of this, for me anyway, is I think the one that I've already kind of done, which is the buggy code that I, the, the buggy code sample that I created uh, to demonstrate, was it GDB or, or something? I don't remember if, it was, I don't think it was GDB, it was something else, but anyway, buggy code, really simple buggy code. It's just like the, the most basic error, right? You you put a, an integer into a variable in C or C++, put an integer into a variable, and then you print f that variable, only you try to print it as a string. So this is like hash include io stream, hash include standard lib.h, hash in with, and actually that's not even necessary. This was a, a dice rolling application in theory. So standard lib.h brings in your random number generator. Uh, hash include standard io.h for printf, that, that is kind of important here. And then hash include string, for string functions, which come to think of it, do I need that? I don't, I don't actually see that I need that in this implementation. I'll take that out. Using namespace standard semicolon int main parentheses parentheses curly brace srand parentheses time parentheses null close close semicolon print, uh, percent sign. Let's do 21, so we'll get a a maximum value of 20 and on our die semicolon print f parentheses quote alpha is set to percent s backslash in close quote comma alpha close parentheses semicolon return zero semicolon close curly brace really simple little application and it has a very simple little tiny bug hidden in it so if i do for instance gcc buggy nope uh buggy dot cpp nope that's going to be wrong again so g plus plus source buggy.cpp and then output will just do bug cc that compiles if i run bug cc i get a segmentation fault so it crashed couldn't figure out what to do which is correct that's the correct behavior if i do clang plus plus source buggy.cpp dash o out uh, let's call it bug 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 vm for llvm i get a warning. Now, a warning isn't an error. A warning is just a warning, and it does helpfully, I mean, this is a really helpful warning. It tells me in source buggy.cpp line 11 uh, character number 32, or column 32 rather, ra uh, warning format specifies type car asterisk, but the argument has type int, and then it tells me, the, it shows me the line printf parentheses equals alpha is set to percent s backslash n. The cool thing is though, the percent s itself is underlined in green, and underneath that it says percent d. So it, it not only identifies that something's wrong, it also identifies the line where the thing is wrong, which is, you know, that's, I guess, pretty common, but, but then it even can identify what the problem is and it underlines it, and it tells me how to fix it. It also underlines, to be fair, the variable itself, because obviously Clang doesn't know whether I whether I want to change that to a percent 
D or do I am I just referencing the wrong variable or or am I referencing a variable when I meant to uh, reference just a string or something so you know it, it's not it's not definitive it's not it, it, this isn't like artificial intelligence where it knows what I want before I know what I want and changes it for me but it is it's giving me some really really useful suggestions if I do a dot slash bug vm because remember oh, it's not a it wasn't an error it wasn't fatal it was just a warning so if I do a dot slash bug vm no surprise I get a segmentation fault because obviously that that ends up being an, a, a problem like that's not something that that can be run sensibly buggy cpp if i change it to percent delta just to make sure that we're kind of like on the right track here and then do my clang compile again dot slash bug vm i got 19 if i do the same thing with g plus plus bug cc i got zero 17 11 yeah so it's it's working fine 19 16 2 12 that's interesting though it, it gave me a 19 both both times now there we go okay um yeah so that's okay yeah so that's that's a pretty good demo i think i mean it's well i don't know if it's a great demo but i said pretty good it's a fair demo point is that the the output of of clang is really really nice and I've got to say, if yeah, I would I would not mind seeing like I, I've seen Clang used personally just on the off on the occasion that I I happen to use it for for some random test or maybe I've downloaded some some a code base that says oh you have to build this with Clang which I think I've seen like once in real life so. I would like to maybe live with Clang a little bit longer to make a judgment call just about the output, but I have to say that the output that I've seen is is really useful and really well it's it's well thought out. Whereas a lot of times the output of GCC is pretty raw, which I'm not saying one is necessarily well no, I am saying that thoughtful and well thought out output is better than raw output i guess am i though maybe i'm not because i mean sometimes you want the raw output maybe you know sometimes you that's all you need like sometimes things try to get a little bit too clever and then misidentify a thing not that i've seen clang do that but certainly i'm, I'm thinking of like python where you know I, I don't know how well thought out that output is maybe it is raw but a lot of times it'll it'll be able to sort of identify well here's where i had to stop running and that leads some users down a path to investigate exactly that point and then you realize oh it, it had nothing to do with that point that's just when when the infor the, the incorrect information it had gathered up to that point became so incorrect that the program had to stop running and and that's certainly i've i've run into problems with that when you know trying to teach people how to interpret the output of Python. Not that Python has any relation to Clang at all. I'm just I, I'm just using that as an example of something that, you know, the output matters. The error and warning output matters. Of course, I mean, there's there's a lot more to, I guess, love about Clang. Um, I mean, it's supposed to be fast. I'd, I've not really noticed that myself. But again, I'm not using it in, in the same, it, to the same degree that I'm using GCC. So it's not all that surprising. 
Uh, I, I mean, I could, you know, sometimes set CC to Clang and just see what happens. I, I could totally try that, but I, I haven't done that any time at all. So I, I should. I should do that, like, maybe Slackware 15. Just try to try to run for as long as I can with Clang. It, it would probably work. I should mention that Clang, um, you know, is it is being actively used in, by by some major projects, uh, such as FreeBSD. I don't know that they've like switched over to it, uh, you know, wholesale, but they they do have quite a lot of documentation on their wiki about switching to LLVM, and that's something that they're they're moving towards, which I quite like. I I have to say I, I think that it's it's quite good for open source to have more than one major project in 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 a, in any given domain. So GCC has kind of, as far as I can tell. It's been the only compiler in open source for a long, long time. And while that's kind of a neat position to hold, and certainly, you know, there, there's some pride there, like the GNU project has produced GCC, and GCC is driving all kinds of things. And, for, I mean, there would literally, I think you could argue, well, I think I've already gone over this, right, in, G, in the GCC episode. I mean... So many projects out there now wouldn't exist without GCC, and you could even argue that many commercial products wouldn't, or projects, products, um, wouldn't exist without GCC. So it's it's huge. But at the same time, like, you do want more than just, you, you don't want to hang all your hopes on, on one thing, just because that's not healthy. It's not healthy for, for anybody involved. Like, the, Sometimes something about that project just won't be right for you, whatever it is. I mean, I know that, you know, there are some trivial concerns or what I would call trivial concerns about about GCC that people have issue sort of with its its licensing and, and, and silly stuff like that that doesn't, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. You know, it's not like you, the, using GCC does not, does not cause you any, any actual, you know, it doesn't change anything. Um, if, if, if your only problem with GCC is that it was created by the GNU project and you find the GNU project either, um, obtuse or, 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 or whatever the, the, your problem with GNU is, that's all fair, but kind of, I don't tri- like I say trivial. I mean, at the end of the day, the code is compiled and it runs, right? However, you know, GCC does, uh, things a certain way. It's developed a certain way. And I think it's always good to have kind of that, that a diverse representation of of tools within your tool chain and it's really really good it, it's healthy to have gcc but also to have an option for clang i'm not really one to go in for the whole um competition breeds excellence sort of trope I, that's not really something that i i really believe in but at the same time there is something about learning from one another and it you know if if some people want to interpret that as competition that's fine i choose to see it as certainly an open source as the ability to just learn and and take and steal ideas from each other so if clang has good ideas that gcc can borrow and gcc has good ideas that clang can borrow but they're both doing things differently with a different development team with a different infrastructure and so on i think that just makes for a healthier open source ecosystem or environment and i think that's really good okay so let's talk now about the next one in the list which is clang apply replacements now clang apply replacements seems pretty obvious 
uh, straightforward, I should say, in, in what it claims to do, which is, as far as I can tell, again, there's no man page here, there's no info page, it's just the dash dash help, and it, it, it appears to claim to replace code with differently formatted code. So you do, I, I, I believe, you do a clang-apply-replacements-format to enable the formatting of code. It says use-style to choose your formatting style. So dash style equals, and then f some string, and it says that valid the coding style currently supports LLVM, Google, Chromium, Mozilla, and WebKit. Okay, cool. So I'll do Mozilla, and then I'm going to point it to the source directory, which is SRC for me, for this demo project. It doesn't give me an error, so I assume that that means everything's worked, and yet if I do a cat of buggy.cpp, nothing's changed. It, it is the exact same non-indented, sort of all-over-the-place code that I provided in the first place. So maybe if I indent it all, all differently, I'll just do all kinds of random things there. Maybe that'll, maybe that'll produce a difference. Clang dash apply re replacements format style Mozilla source. Let's do a cat on buggy.cpp. No, not nothing's changed. Okay, well maybe Mozilla has no style. Let's try LLVM once again. No errors, so I assume no nothing, no, no, no change. Okay, uh, let's try Chromium. No change. So I don't know what the intended results are. It doesn't really, it's not giving me a whole lot of output. It's not giving me any errors. It's not giving me any information. Um, it's not generating any files. It's just, as far as I can tell, it's it's a fake application. I, I don't know that it is, but I mean, that's, like, it, it very much feels like just a, an application that doesn't, that's not actually a thing, you know, like it's just not working, in other words. It says that there's an option dash remove dash change dash desk dash files. Remove the change description files regardless of successful merging and replacing. Well, there's no, I'm not getting any change, what is it, change description files. That's not occurring when I run that, that command. So yeah, there, there doesn't seem to be any, you know, there, there's no further instruction here. It's, it's, um, it is an application that exists. I can verify that it exists and that it has a, a, a file size and that it reports itself as an elf binary, but it does not appear to do, to actually do what it sort of appears to claim to do. So that's clang apply replacements. Let's look at clang check. This is another puzzling one. I've read the documentation. It tells me to read clang.llvm.org slash doc slash how to set up tooling for llvm.html. Seems like it's referring to itself. It's it's literally like like the URL says how to set up Clang tooling for LLVM. There seems to be an assumption within the LLVM toolset, kind of like bug point and even C index test. To be honest, I just I get this weird feeling that that you're supposed to use LLVM to build LLVM, which I, I think I mean that is kind of an ideal situation, right? Like, what better tool to build your tool with than your tool itself? That's a great idea, and I can see why that would be maybe why sort of infrastructure for 
building the and working on the project itself would exist within the project. Uh, I just wish they would be clearer about what what is supposed to be sort of LLVM specific versus what's supposed to be general purpose. And it, it feels like Clang-Check is LLVM specific. At least that's the only, you know, from the documentation that I have, that's what it's suggesting to me because the only instructions are provided for building LLVM or, or processing LLVM with clang check. Unfortunately, it doesn't even say what clang check does, like what it what it's determining, what it's used for. And it is it's it's interesting. Like I think this is an interesting thing we should take note of. We talk a lot pro- programmers talk a lot about testing code, test-driven code where you write code and and built into that code itself is the recognition and the, the knowledge of the expected output. And if the output doesn't match the expectation, then you know something's wrong, something's gone, something's gone off. So if you have established in your code that when this function, after this function is, is run, there ought to be an integer in, in this location. And then you run the code and there's not an integer, there's a string, then you know something's wrong, something has gone off. I think the same principle could apply, ought to be applied, to documentation. There should be sort of almost a test-driven documentation where where we're documenting the tool in such a way that the documentation could produce valid output of some sort, whether that's literally within code or, or some action that you take, whatever. It just, it seems like there needs to be a destination for documentation, and a lot of times there isn't. Like, this, this URL that it's referred to me to give, to give instructions does not actually identify what clang-check is meant to do. It says, Clang tooling provides infrastructure to write tools that need syntactic and semantic information about a program. This term, also, what term? This term relates to a set of specific tools using this infrastructure, e.g. Clang Check. This document provides information on how to set up and use Clang tooling for the LLVM source code. So, as I said, I think it's meant for LLVM. I'm not building LLVM. I'm not working on LLVM. So I'm going to assume that that package, Clang Check, is not useful to me. Next up is Clang Format. And this is what I think, what I thought Apply Replacements was. Clang Apply Replacements. This is is the actual format command. We've seen similar commands to this. I, I don't remember the names of them now, but I think we just saw it with GCC uh, within that package. There was a formatting code, a code formatting thing. This is that, except for Clang. Very similar to apply replacements. User bin Clang dash format space. Uh, you don't have to do a dash format because that's implicit in this command. But there is a dash style equals and then some value where a valid value include uh, is either LLVM, Google, Chromium, Mozilla, WebKit. So I'm going to go back, try Mozilla, and then I'm going to... Oh, I must be in the wrong directory. I am. Okay. Get back to my LLVM directory and apply the changes ideally to source buggy.cpp. It outputs it in very nicely formatted code that that doesn't look like it was written to frustrate people reading it. So I, I had put, um, just when I was playing around with apply replacements, I, I indented the, the code all over the place, I made it really ugly, I made lines uh, run into each other, and so on, and, and 
the, the Mozilla format brings everything to the same indentation. It puts my return statement on its own line, and so on. So it, it, it applies minor changes here and there to make the code look a little bit more reasonable. Ooh, the Chromium one does even more. So I had also put int main and then the curly brace on separate lines in my ugly code. Mozilla was okay with that, I guess. Yeah, they were okay with that. Chromium brought int main and the curly brace into one line. It deleted uh, some white space between int main and my first code statement, the random seed, uh, random number seed, and and indented everything nicely. Yeah, that, that's really nice. Chromium's a nice. That's a nice one. I would highly recommend the Chromium one. LLVM not so much. What's the other one? Google. Google's nice, so that must be basically the same as Chromium, I, I would imagine. And then let's try WebKit really quick. No, not WebKit. It, I mean, it's WebKit's not bad, but they have the curly brace on their own line, and then they retain the, the blank line, which just isn't quite as nice as Chromium uh, and Google. So yeah, that's 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 a command that actually worked. And and how great is that, too? The, the, the command itself, when I just ran it with the dash dash help, Still, not loving the dash dash help mechanism, but maybe I just need to get used to it. I, I do kind of feel like dash dash help, would, you know, dash dash help. I guess the the quote unquote problem with it for me is that it's it it doesn't have it doesn't provide a whole lot of context. Although I'm going to get to that in a minute, but also it doesn't provide a pager by default. So whenever you're doing dash dash help, you're also actually doing a pipe to less or or more or most or man or whatever can you do it to man i don't maybe help to man so we could do that right yeah um it's just weird it, it just kind of feels a little bit strange but anyway dash dash help clang clang format it gives context like the first the first part of the output i mean it'll go off your screen probably but if you're doing it you pipe it through less. It says overview, a tool to format this kind of code. If no arguments are specified, it formats the code from standard input and writes the results to the standard output. If files are given, it reformats the file if dash i is specified together. So it, it actually narrates, it tells you what to expect. And that's exactly what I was just talking about with the clang check that tells you nothing. So it's, yeah, I don't know, really, really important, this documentation stuff, as it turns out. And it's great to see it when it when it gets it. Um, and, you know, to be fair, I, I think maybe there's, maybe there's a sort of an implicit uh, subtext here, or just a subtext, that if it's not well documented, then it's for the LLVM developers, and it's not for you, and don't worry about it. But I don't know, I just think that's a bad precedence to set. If if there's no documentation, just don't worry about using it. I mean, is that is that always fair? I mean, maybe it is. Maybe that's maybe we should all just take a stand. If you don't give me the docs, I'm not going to invest the time to figure out the application. Maybe that that maybe that's a smart thing to do. I don't know. Okay, so I feel like we should probably quit while we're ahead here because we got a command to work other than the central you know other than clang we got clang format to actually work it renders output it's something that you could go home and run and see reformatted code with that in itself is exciting that's ending this episode on a on a high note and i think i'm going to do exactly that there's lots more to go there are 48 or 49 commands and we're maybe two four six 
six into it. So there's quite a lot more to go. We'll see how far we get next episode. Until then, thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. My name is Klaatu. You can reach me anytime over email with feedback or comments, tips, or just to say hi. My email address is klaatu at slackermedia.info. You can also reach me on the Mastodon network, not klaatu, at mastodon.xyz. The show's intro and outro music is by Fat Chance Lester. You can find their music on bandcamp.com or on gnuworldorder.info in the archive you'll find a music directory containing the album from which this music has been extracted until next time thanks for listening and keep the source open reaches the mind.